and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass all around them, to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesy to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. I feel like praying again. Lord, we humble our hearts before your holy word, and we open our ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to talk to you this morning on the subject of vision. Vision has three components. Vision is first and foremost what you see. Yeah. It's secondly what you believe. And it's thirdly what you pursue. You see, a lot of people have visions who don't, that don't come to pass. And the reason most visions, many visions, do not come to pass is either because at a certain point we stop seeing it or because we continue to see it, but we stop believing it. Yeah. Or we see it and we believe it, but we just don't pursue it. Yeah. In order for a vision to become a reality, you've got to see it. You've got to believe it. And then you've got to pursue it. Yeah. If you see it, but you don't believe it or pursue it, it's called a hallucination. If you see it and believe it, but don't pursue it, it's called a fantasy. But if you see it, and you believe it, and you pursue it, it will eventually become a reality. Yeah. Now the key is consistency. Seeing it every morning, and every afternoon, and every night, and believing it every morning, and every afternoon, and every night, and pursuing it every morning, every afternoon, 
and every night. You got to see it, you got to believe it, and you got to pursue it, and you got to do that ad nauseum until you receive it. Now, what's the name of that swimmer? I always get up here and I can't remember the name of the person. Michael Phelps, thank you. Michael Phelps had a vision, and every night when he was preparing for that vision, when he was training for that vision, he had a ritual. He would sit on the edge of his bed, and he would close his eyes, and he would see that vision and see it all the way to completion. But what he did not imagine during that time every night was himself standing on the podium receiving the gold medal. He was not imagining the fruit of his vision. He was imagining the form of his vision. And the form of, that his vision took was not a gold medal, but a perfect 300-meter race. He envisioned every night himself swimming the perfect 300-meter race. He first imagined himself standing at the diving board and then the perfect dive, and he knew exactly where he should hit the water, exactly the angle of his head when he hit the water and of his body. He knew exactly how long he should stay underwater, and he was counting it out in his head. And when he came up, he envisioned every stroke that he would take before he touched the, before he would flip and push off at the other wall. And he imagined the whole race, every stroke. He knew exactly how many strokes it should take him to complete the race and how long every lap should take him. And he envisioned it, and then he went to sleep every night. And then he would wake up the next morning, and he would pursue that vision. He would get in the pool for six to eight hours a day and practice trying to swim the perfect 300-meter race. In one of his particular races, when he dove into the water, the angle of his head was slightly off, and it knocked his goggles off. So he had to swim the entire race with his eyes closed. But it didn't matter because he had envisioned this so clearly and practiced this so consistently that he could do it in his head without needing to see. He was able to swim by faith and not by sight because he had a vision that he saw consistently, believed in fervently, and pursued continually. Listen, you need a vision that you can see consistently believe in fervently, and pursue consistently. And when you have that kind of a vision, that vision eventually becomes a reality. Now, when you read the Bible, what is it that you're reading? You are not reading a book of religious words in which God is trying to get you to do religious things. You're not reading a book of religious rules in which God is, stopped, is trying to get you to stop doing non-religious things and trying to get you to do more religious things. You are reading a book in which God is trying to get you to see something. From Genesis through the end of Revelation, God is trying to get you to see something. Over and over again, he's calling his people to open their eyes and see something because God understands who we are as human beings. That when he's trying to move us from one place to another place, from one state to another state, he knows the only way to get us to cooperate with him is to give us a vision that we could see clearly and then provoke us to believe it fervently only then can he inspire us to pursue that vision in cooperation with him continually until we reach the place that he has called us to be. And so over and over again, God is calling us to open our eyes and see. And every time you open the Bible, you should be asking the question, God, what are you trying to show me? What vision are you trying to get me to see? What place are you trying to get me to believe for that I'm not at right now? What vision that does not correspond to my present reality are you trying to get me to see and to believe today? And if you begin to see the Bible as a book of visions that God wants to give you, you'll read it completely differently, won't you? Here in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 37, the passage that we just read, God provides a profound vision, not just for the prophet Ezekiel, but for the people of Israel. And if there was ever a time in which they needed a profound vision, it was this time. 
Notice that the vision does not happen in chapter 1 or chapter 5 or chapter 12 of Ezekiel, but it happens after 36 chapters have transpired. It's the 37th chapter, and God gives this vision. And the reason is the Babylonian captivity is happening in Israel at this time. In 605 B.C., Babylon started coming into Jerusalem and hoarding off waves of captives that they were taking into captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel was one of the early captives. He was probably taken in 597 B.C. He's taken to Babylon, and the Spirit of the Lord comes on him in Babylon, and he starts prophesying to the Babylonian captives. And he starts writing his prophecies and sending them back to Jerusalem. And the first 33 chapters, the message is simple. Repent, or else God is going to bring destruction on the city of Jerusalem. It's going to be all bad, and it's going to be all over. The first 33 chapters are a warning. And from chapter 33 on, between 33 and 36, it's a lament. Because in chapter 33, Jerusalem is destroyed. 586 B.C., Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar comes into Jerusalem, destroys the city of Jerusalem, and destroys the temple all the way down to the ground. And then the huge captivity happens where they take the majority of the brightest and best of the people of Israel into captivity in Babylon. Among them, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, right? Like there's all of these, these great men of God that come out of the captivity. Isn't that interesting that God is still using his people even in the midst of captivity, even in the midst of judgment, God's mercy is still active. Isn't that powerful? Now, why is chapter 37 of Ezekiel not God saying, I told you so? I told y'all. That's what Ezekiel should have been saying is, I told y'all, that's what you get. I told you that was going to happen. That's what you get. Now walk it off. I told you you was going to fall if you climbed up. I told you not to do that, and you did it. Well, that's what you get. But instead of saying that's what you get, because they didn't listen to him. Matter of fact, Ezekiel was prophesying from Babylon, and Jeremiah was prophesying in Jerusalem. You had these two prophets who were contemporaries of one another, and both of them had the same message. If you don't repent and get right, the fall is coming. And neither of them were listened to, and the fall came, and everything's lost. The city's destroyed, and the temple's destroyed, the economy's destroyed, and there's no hope, and there's no prospect for a future. And in the midst of that moment, where everything's lost and it's self-inflicted. Yeah. It's your own fault. God visits Ezekiel and gives him a message of hope and of restoration. And chapter 37 sets the stage in 38 and 39. God speaks of the destruction of Israel's enemies. And from chapter 40 on, he talks about returning them to the land restoring the land, and rebuilding the temple. Everything that was destroyed, God says, is going to be restored. You know, the body of Christ is really good at issuing warnings and really good at pronouncing doom and judgments. But we're not good at all at declaring restoration. We tell you not to commit adultery so you don't get divorced, but once you do commit adultery and you do get divorced and you lose your marriage and your family, we don't know how to have a vision of the valley of dry bones for you and tell you that there's still restoration for you, that God still has a plan for you. When a pastor falls and, and loses his flock, we know how to pronounce judgment and say he was wrong and he was, he was out of order and he was in sin. We know how to declare judgment. We don't know how to take that pastor and say, now God wants to restore you and God's, God's not done with your life. We don't know how to preach restoration. We only know how to call out the fall of Jerusalem. We tend to stop at Ezekiel 36. We don't know how to live in Ezekiel 37, and God is inviting us yeah. 
to an Ezekiel chapter 37 lifestyle where every time you see dry bones, every time you see hopelessness, every time you see despair, every time you see destruction, every time you see broken lives, every time you see a ridiculously hopeless situation, something rises up on the inside of you that says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. If there's anything to the grace of Jesus Christ, anything to the message of the cross, is that your destruction is not the last word. Your devastation, regardless of whether it's self-inflicted or not, is not the last word. What happened to you is not the last word. What's gone wrong is not the last word. And this message goes all the way to the front of the book. Adam and Eve, you eat from that tree, I'm going to kill y'all. You eat from it, you're going to surely die. Try me. Now, (laughs) my mama would have killed us on the spot after eating from that tree. (laughs) No, she wouldn't have. (laughs) She wouldn't have. No, she wouldn't. I'm just joking. They eat from the tree, and death begins. They would have been immortal had they not eaten from the tree. But they eat from the tree, and God's promise is fulfilled. The wages of sin is death. And so the process of death begins to work in them. And secondly, God puts them out of the garden and locks the door. And then God follows them out of the garden and says, all right, where are we going? And right there, when God is confronting them with the sin they committed, God speaks of restoration. What does he say to the serpent? I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you and his, her seed. You will, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Speaking of the coming of his own son, like literally immediately when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He said, I've already got a plan of redemption and restoration that I've been saving for this very moment. It's time to start putting that plan into effect because I cannot allow your failure to be the last word on your life. It's just not the kind of guy I ain't, not the kind of God I am. Failure is not the last word. I saw this quote from A.W. Tozer last week that just blew me away. He said, every redeemed man owes his salvation to the fact that in the days of his sinning, God kept the door of mercy open by refusing to see his sinful acts as the last word. God looked at every one of your evil acts and said, that's not the last word. God looked at every one of your failures and said, that's not the last word. God looked at every, every power of devastation at work in your life and said, that's not the last word. And we need to learn how to think like God. When you look at the broke, busted, and disgusted, you need to say, that's not the last word. When you look at people who are paralyzed by poverty and financial ruin, you need to speak and say, that's not the last word. See, we're constantly prophesying destruction over people's lives. You keep that up, it's going to ruin you. You keep that up, it's going to kill you. You keep that up, it's going to destroy you. We know how to prophesy destruction. We don't know how to prophesy restoration. And Ezekiel is in the midst of the deepest devastation at the news of the destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple. And all of a sudden, he says, the hand of the Lord came upon me, picked me up, and set me down in a valley full of dry bones. This is obviously the scene in which a battle has transpired And he's looking not at the victors of that battle, but at the casualties. Secondly, the battle didn't happen 45 minutes ago. These are not the freshly dead. These folks have been dead for a long time. It was nothing but bones, and they were very many bones. And it said the bones were dry, and he went on to say, and they were very dry. 
meaning there was no hope of resuscitation. There was no hope. You know, in the movies, when, when the good person dies, you know they didn't die. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, just keep watching. All of a sudden, that heartbeat's going to start again. After everybody's crying, oh, no, he's gone. All of a sudden, doom, doom. <gasps> oh, my God, it's a miracle. No, none of that. It's too late. This is nothing but bones. No flesh. No skin. No ligaments. And the voice says, son of man... Can these bones live? And notice Ezekiel does not say, yes, I believe they can. He says, Lord, you know. Why does he say, Lord, you know? Because one of the earliest lessons that we learn as believers is you never say no to God. He looked, he assessed the situation, and the obvious answer was no. But you don't ever say no to God. You never say no to God. It's either yes or I don't know. So all he could say was, you know. I don't know, but you know. And the Lord says to him, prophesy to the bones and say dry bones Hear the word of the Lord. Now, can you imagine how absurd it must have felt to prophesy to dry bones? There's no, bones don't have ears. The ears are gone. No eardrums. No capacity. Literally, you're prophesying to that which has no capacity to hear you. Some of you have dry bone situations in your lives that have no capacity to hear you. You ever, it's almost like, if you've ever had the experience of preaching to a dead church before. Not this church, thank the Lord. But if, it's, it's painful. Because you're speaking the word of the Lord and everybody's like this. Not even looking at you. I was at a church where they thought some that they thought they were really dying. I'm not going to tell that joke. It's a joke, and it's it's, it's <laughs> the Lord is is maturing me beyond. <laughs> Just stop me in my tracks right there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Sometimes speaking to your dead situations is is absolute absurdity. Absolutely absurd. There are situations in your life that it's absurd to think that any good can come out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absurd to think that it could turn around at all. Yeah. And the Lord says, prophesy to those bones. Prophesy to that absurdity. Yeah. And Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. That's it. Meaning I didn't believe it, but I was commanded. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't believe that it would change anything but I still obeyed because I was commanded. You see, we tend to believe that faith is confidence that your situation will change. That's not faith. I mean, that's a level of faith. You hear people say it all the time. I got faith that I'm going to get a new house. I got faith that I'm going to get a new car. I got faith for a better job. I got faith for a husband. I got faith for a wife. I got faith. I got faith. Ezekiel had none of that kind of faith for the bones. None of it. He had a higher level of faith. I got faith in God. I got no faith for the bones, but I've got faith in God. I got faith that God knows what he's talking about. I got faith that God is able to do more than I could ever imagine. I got faith that God can change anything. I got faith that God can heal anything. My faith is in who God is, not in my circumstance. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Obedience is its own faith. I don't get it, but God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. That's faith. I don't anticipate anything to change, but God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. That's faith. Faith is its own, I mean, obedience is its own faith. So I prophesied as I was commanded. 
And as I prophesied, Ezekiel said, behold, a rattling and a shaking. Or that's when the folks start saying amen. <laughs> you know, you're preaching to a dead church and suddenly you get an amen on the left and a, a thank you on the right and a preach that in the middle and, a, and say that on the, on the left. And all of a sudden, there's a rattling and a shaking and you're like, it's not the full breakthrough yet. People are saying amen. They're not necessarily healed. People are saying amen. They're not necessarily free. But at least there's a rattling and a shaking. The rattling and the shaking is the precursor to the breakthrough. The rattling and the shaking means God is doing something. And so keep rattling and keep shaking because I believe that bone is getting ready to come together. And all of a sudden, bones started flying together. I mean, can you imagine this guy's arm is way over there and it just, you know, flies across. Bone is coming together, bone to bone, and they stood erect, an army of skeletons. And then all of a sudden, flesh from within started growing inside of the bones and all the ligaments and sinews and all of the bodily organs. And then you could see the veins coming in there and then the heart. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, skin covered the bones. Now, it must have been kind of like a horror movie. You know, I mean, it probably wasn't fun to see this. Ezekiel's like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's like a reverse Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Everybody melts. It's the opposite. They come back, <laughs> you know. And he's thinking, this is it. This is the breakthrough. But it's not. Because there was no breath. There was no breath. Bone came upon bone. Sinews and flesh came upon the bone. Skin covered the sinews and the flesh. And a mighty army was standing with no breath. Yeah. Now, go back to the, the beginning there of Ezekiel uh, 14. What did God say? What is it, verse 3? What, what did God say? He said, son of man, Candy's bones, verse 4. Now go to verse 5. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. What's the first thing God promises the bones? Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now look at verse 6. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath into you. So the promise is sandwiched with the promise of breath. First thing God says, I'll put breath in you. Then he says, I'll put flesh on you and sinews in you and cover you with skin, and then I'm going to put breath in you. And the only thing that God did not do in the first round of prophesying was the first thing and the last thing that God said he would do. The thing that he emphasized. Go to verse 8. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews in the face, verse 9. Actually, back to verse 8, sorry, end of verse 8. But there was no breath in them. There was no breath in them. Now look at verse 9. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Stop there for a second. Many of us have experienced partial breakthroughs. You prophesied the first time. You took the first step of obedience to God and the first component of your breakthrough transpired. But there's no breath in it. The form came, but there was no life. You know, the scripture talks about those who have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They go to church, but there's no life. They sing the songs, but there's no anointing. They say prayers, but there's no presence. They pray over the food. They've got this form of godliness. They even abstain from some stuff and practice some stuff, but there's no living presence of God in their lives. First level breakthrough has transpired. Second level breakthrough has not transpired. The miracle is not complete. The miracle began, but it's not complete. And we've forgotten that the scripture says, he who began a good work in you would be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Ezekiel is looking at God and saying, you told me that you were going to put breath in them, but you didn't put breath in them. And God says, prophesy to the breath. Translation, prophesy again. 
Don't stop prophesying until it's done. Don't stop declaring the word of the Lord over your situation until it is accomplished. Prophesy again. If at first you don't succeed, prophesy again. Some of you are looking at partial breakthroughs in your lives, waiting for God to bring the other half of the breakthrough. The word of the Lord to you is prophesy again. Prophesy again. Some of you have spoken to friends and family members about Christ and seen some some rattling and shaking in their life and even a form come together of response to Christ, but there's no life yet. Prophesy again. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. The breath is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. You see, what happened on the day of Pentecost was that there were 120 gathered in the upper room and the form of the church was there, but it had no breath. No spirit. The spirit had not yet come. And they had a 10-day prayer meeting to pray for the breath to come, to prophesy to the breath because Jesus promised the breath. He promised the spirit. And we know how to pray for forms. We don't know how to pray for life. Lord, I just pray that my friends would start coming to church. I just pray that my family would start coming to church. I pray that my kids would start coming to church. I pray that my husband would start coming to church. And then your friends start coming to church and you think this is awesome. But then they go to church for 37 years and they never get saved. Because there's no breath. And maybe you're the one who's been coming to church for 37 years, but there's no breath. Nothing has changed in your life. There's no presence. Nothing has changed in your life. It's time to look at your own life and prophesy again. It's time for you to make a decision. I've been walking with God for too long to be living without the Spirit of God. (laughs) Prophesy again. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Once again, he had no faith to finish it but he trusted God. He prophesied as he was commanded and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. You can take the scripture down now. And God tells Ezekiel, these dry bones represent the whole house of Israel. For they say our bones are very dry. We have no hope. We've got no future prospects. It's over for us. It's too late for us. This is the end of the line for us. We've been utterly ruined, but God says you go to Israel now and you prophesy to them. Remember, God's trying to get you to see something so that you can believe something, so that you can pursue something. God wants Israel to see that it's not over for Israel, that the Babylonian captivity is not the end of the story for them. They know in their minds that they could never rise up against Babylon and overthrow it. And in their minds, they've extrapolated this situation forward and seen that we're going to be in captivity for eternity. But God says, no, captivity will not be your eternity. I I am going to rise, raise you up, and I'm going to bring bone together, and I'm going to put spirit in you, and I'm going to bring you back to your land, and you're going to live. God gives Ezekiel a vision for a people that does not yet exist. And today, God is giving us a vision for a people yet unborn. Because what God is speaking to us about today is the harvest. And when we walk out into these streets, we're in a valley of dry bones. When we drive through the city of Berkeley, we're in a valley of dry bones. When we drive through the city of San Francisco, we're in a valley of dry bones. When we drive through Richmond and Oakland, we're in a valley of dry bones, and it just looks very dry. And there's no hope for the neighborhood, and there's no hope of revival. People don't hear the way they used to hear. The church I grew up in, you know how they built that church? 
Every Sunday afternoon, they went out to the corner down the street, and they would preach in the street on the corner, and a crowd of people would gather around to hear the preacher, and he'd give the invitation to receive Christ, and a bunch of people would receive Christ. They'd walk them up the street to the sanctuary for the Sunday night service. They'd baptize all of them in the Sunday night service, and then they'd join the church, and they did that every Sunday, and the church just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew, and there was more than 1,000 people in the church at its height. And you know, some people say, we should just start street preaching again. Nobody hears street preaching anymore. Go to the corner and and preach and see how many people gather to hear what you have to say. That's not how it works anymore. People are more likely to listen to you on social media than they are on the street corner. Instead of trying to force the world to hear the way they used to hear. We need to stop and ask God to give us a vision for the harvest that corresponds to the open ears of the harvest now. How does the harvest hear now? God is able to give ears to hear now, but we don't believe for the harvest. We, we hear a word like this, and all I can think about is, ooh, my finances are the dry bones. And I can believe God to raise up my finances. My children, my relationship with my children, we all just think about ourselves and our own lives. And don't get me wrong, it applies to your own life too. And it's not wrong to believe God to raise up life in your own life. But what we don't have ears to hear is that there is a harvest upon us and that God is going to save souls for the kingdom of God and raise up a harvest of souls. And he's going to use you to do it. And this is the most difficult place when you walk into your community, your school, you young people, and you see that nobody believes in Jesus. And the Lord is asking you, can these bones live? And you older people, you go to your jobs, and you're the only one there who believes in Jesus. And the Lord is asking you, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Ezekiel, I'm trying to show you something so you'll believe something. I'm trying to show you a great awakening in your context so you'll believe for a great awakening in your context. I'm trying to show you revival at your job so you can believe for revival at your job. I'm trying to show you revival in your family so you can believe for revival in your family. I'm trying to show you revival in your neighborhood so you can believe for revival in your neighborhood. I'm trying to show you, I'm trying to get you to believe that something could happen that you don't believe could happen. But do you believe me? Do you believe me? I'm inviting you to join me in my mission, Ezekiel. I'm going to show you a vision, but it's not for you. It's not about you. It's about a people yet unborn. It's about people who at this moment don't want to hear what you have to say. About a people who aren't interested at this moment, but I'm getting ready to make them interested. I just need you to start believing. And I don't need you to start striving. I don't need you to start going door to door, knocking on people's door, pestering people. Now they think you're a Jehovah's Witness. I don't need you passing out tracts in the street. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm simply asking you to believe and then be led by the Spirit, and I'll show you who, you, who they are, and I'll show you how to reach them, but you got to start believing. See, when we talked about being led by the Spirit and, and being ready, recognizing the ready last Sunday, but for most of us, we don't even believe for the harvest, so recognizing the ready is not even a part, it's not even on our radar because we don't believe for the harvest. It's good enough that God saved me. Thank God I'm saved. You might as well say the rest of them people can just go to hell. But how about a heart that says, Lord, you saved me? Well, if you saved me, you could have saved anybody. And if you can save anybody, then why don't you use my life to reach somebody else, to see somebody else's dry bones come back to life again? to see a rattling and a shaking. God, I want to see the, the person that nobody would think could be saved. I want to see that person get saved. Give me the worst person in my neighborhood. Give me the most, the most anti-Christ person in my job. How about if I can just start believing that God could use my life in that way? How about if I could start believing? But this morning, as the worship team returns, this morning, I truly believe that God spoke to me and that he's going to give us a vision today for the harvest, but he's going to do so by speaking to people in this room right now. And the prayer that kept coming out of me as I was praying for today's service, I just kept asking God, give me a word for the most desperate situation in this room. 
Lord, today speak to the most distraught person here today. The person who's in the worst situation where it just feels like there's no way and there's no possibility. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak hope to that person today. Today, God is speaking to desperate. He's speaking to dry bones in this room. But when he speaks to dry bones in this room, he's doing so as a sign that he's raising you up to speak to dry bones all over the world. Yeah, he wants you to know that he loves you. And he cares about the stuff that's fallen apart and broken down in your life. He wants you to know that he loves you. And because he loves you, your devastation is not the last word. But he also wants you to know that he would use your life to lift up somebody else, to reach somebody else. He would use your life. It's just been a cry in my heart. God, speak to the most broken and dejected person in this room today. Speak to the person in the most dire situation in this room today, God. Speak, God, speak words of comfort and hope to the person in this room who has the least amount of hope, to the person who's either suicidal or borderline suicidal, who's despaired even of life, God. I pray as a sign, as a sign to this community that you are calling us into a valley of dry bones and you're going to cause the dry bones to live. God, do it in our midst today. Let us see dry bones live before we leave this room let some dry bones come back to life let there be a rattling and a shaking a rattling and a shaking in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name and if that's you today you say I'm that's me today I'm in that situation and I need a word from God and I, I'm not asking for a mass of people right now just you're in that situation you need a word from God I want you to come stand at this altar right now and we're going to pray over you and we're going to release the word of the Lord over you and we believe for breakthrough in your situation and if there's anybody here battling the spirit of suicide that spirit's going to break today that spirit's going to break today. You're battling the spirit of hopelessness. That spirit's going to break today. Yes, come on up. Come on up. That spirit's going to break today. Come on, stretch out your hand towards this altar and just begin to pray. Stretch out your hand towards this altar. There's more coming to the altar. There's more coming to the altar. Just begin to pray. It's all right, Darrell. Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Yes, God, yes, God. Come on, just lift up your hands and begin to pray. Just lift up your hands and begin to pray. Just lift up your hands and begin to pray. Just lift up your hands and begin to pray. Just begin to seek God right now. Seek God. Seek God. Seek God. There's, there's ministers coming to the altar to pray for you right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Everybody just pray right now. Just lift up your hands and pray right now. Just lift up your hands and pray right now. Right now. There's hope for the hopeless. 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 Dry bones are coming to life right now. Dry bones are coming to life right now. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Yes, God, the Holy Spirit is here in this house right now. Yes, God. You right here. You right here. Yeah, come here. Come here. Come here. Shh. Stretch out your hands toward her right now in Jesus' name. This is what the Lord says. Sing, O barren, and you who have not born. Lift up your voice and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and stretch out the currents of curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants shall dispossess nations and inhabit their desolate cities. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is your name, is his name. 
and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife, when you were refused, says the Lord. But your Maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. And God says, I will redeem and I will restore. And today I have taken away your reproach and I have taken away your shame. And you will arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. God says, instead of shame, you shall receive a double portion and inherit blessing in the land. This is the day. This is the day, says the Lord. This is the day when I show myself strong on your behalf. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Lord, we just seal this word over her life right now. That's breakthrough right now. That's breakthrough right now. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Jesus, come on. Go after God. Go after God. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. There's more breakthrough. There's more breakthrough in the atmosphere. God's not done. He's only just getting started. God's not done. He's just getting started. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Go back to prayer. Go back to prayer. Lift your voices and pray. There's breakthrough in the atmosphere. A breakthrough in the atmosphere. Breakthrough in the atmosphere. Breakthrough in the atmosphere. Breakthrough in the atmosphere. There's breakthrough in the atmosphere right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's power right now to break it. There's power right now to break that cycle in your life. There's power right now to break that cycle. There's power right now to break that cycle. The Lord says, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm breaking that cycle and I'm starting a new cycle, says the Lord. A new cycle, says the Lord. A new cycle, says the Lord. I'm putting you on a new cycle, says the Lord. And it's taking you higher and higher and higher and higher. Do not be afraid, says the Lord. I'm taking you higher and higher. A new cycle is starting right now. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Here am I, Lord, send me. Yes, God. Yes, God. This is the beginning. 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 Don't give up. Come on. If it's not your breakthrough, pray for somebody else's breakthrough. There's breakthrough happening here today. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Here am I. Here am I, Lord, send me. Hallelujah. Here am I, Lord, send me. Come on, sing to the Lord. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Am I? Come on, sing to the Lord. Here am I. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I. Here am I, Lord, send me. Listen, 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 listen. Kurt, come here. Come here, Kurt. Come here, Kurt. Come here. Everybody stretch out your hands toward Kurt right now. Just begin to pray right now. 
Just begin to pray. Come on, just pray. Let him hear your prayers. Yes, God. This is what the Lord says. The breakthrough is in your mind. God wants you to know today that you are more fruitful than you could ever imagine. In fact, you're more fruitful than anyone in this room right now because your fruit extends through generations of faithfulness to God, decades of faithfulness to God, times in which you saw no fruit, but you remained faithful, times in which you saw no breakthrough, but you remained faithful, times in which you continued to press on despite discouragement, weariness, poverty, loss, afflictions of many kinds, but yet you continued, says the Lord, and you did not give up. You continued to fight the good fight. You continued to keep the faith. You continued to run your race. And the Lord says your paths drip with abundance, that behind you there's a trail of victories, that heaven sees you much differently than you see your, yourself, that at times you look in the mirror and you feel that your light is but a flicker, you feel that you're, you've had no success and you feel that you've, you've, you've lost more battles than you've won, but the word of the Lord to you is no, you've yet to lose a battle. You've yet to lose a battle and your fruit is abundant and God would cause you to see yourself the way he sees you. You are fruitful. You are fruitful and you are victorious. But God says in the days to come, I will cause your fruit to return and bless you. In the days to come, I will cause you to see the fruit of your labor. In the days to come, God says, I'm going to open doors that you might see and that you might not be discouraged, but that you might know that I have used you and that I've called you and that I've set you apart. And so, Father, today in the name of Jesus, I speak divine encouragement, God. I speak divine encouragement in Jesus' precious holy name. Encouragement. Strengthen him right now in Jesus' name. Come on, go after that. Thank you, Lord. There's more. There's more work for you to do. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. There's more, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here am I. Come on, everybody, raise your hands and sing that together. Here am I. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I. Here am I. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Here am I. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. Here am I. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Just one more time, one more time. Here am I, here am I, Lord, send me. 